being an entrepreneur already is the most lonely career path anyone can go down. Hey, this is Fady Hawatma with The Real Slim Fady Show. We are here episode two, and we're going to be talking about the difference between running a bootstrap SaaS company and being a VC-backed one, the pros and cons of each, and quite honestly, what I preferred. Being a bootstrapped company, I ran clockwork for four years being bootstrapped. Raised an institutional round earlier this year from a Boston-based VC firm, and now we are officially a VC-backed company. And I can tell you very, very positively and quite frankly, very, very honestly, running a bootstrap tech company sucked. You know, my experience, there's no real other way to put it. It really sucked. You know, I think a lot of people have this, have this badge of honor being bootstrapped, but it takes a lot of privilege to be bootstrapped, right? I had a great career at Boeing, launched an outsourced CFO consulting firm, and was able to bootstrap clockwork and run it four years being bootstrapped. You know, we raised a few hundred thousand dollars here and there from friends and family and, and stuff like that. But if I hadn't had such a privileged career, you know, granted, I worked my ass off, right? I was very successful at Boeing, you know, throughout my career there, even though, you know, it was right out of college, my first job, you know, really scaling it. But working my outsource CFO firm was great because of the skills that I learned being a finance major, an accounting major, understanding what FP&A is, you know, at Boeing, and then really being able to translate those skills directly into a startup environment. And that really afforded me the the luxury of launching my own consulting firm, right? And there I was able to make a decent amount of money and pour that into clockwork. And so without that, I don't know if Clockwork would have been able to exist without having a positive experience and, and career under my belt. I don't think I could have bootstrapped Clockwork or if I did, it would have been even more, you know, it would have sucked even more than it already did. And so I'm very, very thankful and very fortunate that I even had the ability to do it. And it's not something no one really talks about. No one understands the privilege that you have to have just to bootstrap something. You know, there's always people are always so excited about, oh, I run a bootstrapped company or I work for a bootstrapped company. What ha what had to have happened before then to provide that luxury of running a bootstrapped company because companies are not cheap. They're, they're very expensive to launch, especially tech companies. Being able to build a product that you can actually market, that you can actually sell is not cheap by any means. And so, you know, I was, I was really privileged in all honesty. You know, I had a great career. I had no student loans. I was single living in Chicago. And, you know, my parents taught me how to be really good with money at an early age, you know, a very early age, even when I was a kid, I was always a hustler, right? I would literally make money cutting grass. I, I even renegotiated the contract with my dad had with my older brother. My older brother hated cutting the grass and he would pay him $10 every time he cut it. I negotiated with my dad and I said, Hey, I'll cut it, but I want $20, but I'll trim and I'll blow the grass. And my dad said, fine, 20 bucks. So I was cutting grass, doing lemonade stands, doing, doing just kind of hustler kids kind of stuff. And my parents would match whatever money I put into the bank. So if I gave them $100 from stuff that I did that that week, my mom would go to the bank, they opened a, a joint account for for me, and my mom would deposit $200. 
So I was very fortunate from a, from an early age. I think a lot of people kind of lose lose track on and and a lot of people don't really like to admit how fortunate they have been in their childhood that allowed them to even have the successful careers that they have had. For me, I always had money because I hustled my ass to do it, right? I was always hustling, started my first company when I was 12, always hustling. I was fixing literally speeding tickets for for all the rich kids that I went to school with. And I was always hustling. So I was fortunate enough to always have money and always be good with money. So I was able to be scrappy, save it up. But it taught me, you know, really running a bootstrapped company taught me a lot of valuable lessons. You have to be super scrappy and know how to make every single dollar stretch, right? Every decision that you make is potentially a life or death decision, especially when you're bootstrapped. You know, as an early stage company, you know, the odds are already stacked against you. But when you're bootstrapped, every single decision that you're making could potentially be life or death. You have to be so strategic with the decisions that you make and and where you're going to make your bets because you don't have that much money in the bank. You can't make that many bets. So you have to make the bets that are smart that will make that immediate impact, that that, that change, maybe get you that big contract or that big customer or whatever it may be, or that good hire, that key hire um, early on. You have to make very few bets, but you have to be so strategic and scrappy on them. So that changes that changes the way that you look at things. And it allows you to be a lot more calculated when you make those decisions. You know, obviously is, is very good where it teaches you all these valuable lessons. And then another good thing about being bootstrapped is you don't have anyone to answer to. Besides yourself, right? Maybe if you have a couple of co-founders, you answer to yourself and that's it. There's no, you know, board. There's no, there are no investors that are breathing down your throat. You don't have to commit numbers and hit them or else, you know, so-and-so it's, it's all up to you. So you answer to yourself. If you make a mistake, it's on you. You know, you're the only one that has to live with that mistake or, you know, again, your co-founders, but it's on you. That also is a con though. That also is a con. We'll, we'll kind of talk about that, but like, if you don't have anyone holding you accountable to your decisions, it could lead to some pretty sloppy behavior. And, you know, the last the last thing that I that I really appreciated about being bootstrap, you have the ultimate flexibility on what you want to build, how you want to build it, in whatever way you want to build it, because you're figuring out on your own, right? Also, this could be a con, but you're figuring out on your own. Your your founder vision is untainted. When you're bootstrapped, you can literally do exactly what you sought out to do when you first decided to start your company. You get to do it the way that you want to do it. You know, obviously, you're able to keep control and ownership of all the company, if not the majority of the company, when you're bootstrapped. So you have the ultimate say on everything. But a lot of people put too much value on not having other other valuable money. I call it smart money in your company, right? There's smart money and dumb money. Smart money is the money that comes in and helps you think, helps you grow, helps you organize, advises you on how you can hit the next level. Dumb money is just dumb money. It's cash. They're not going to have any say in your company. They're not going to help you in anything, but they're both super important. They're so both super, super valuable. But when you are a bootstrapped company, you're all alone. The cons of running a bootstrap company, you're all alone. Being an entrepreneur already is the most lonely career path anyone can go down. And if you're bootstrapped, you're even more lonely because you're on an island all by yourself. No one heard from me for for three plus years. I literally did not leave my condo. I was always working nonstop. I had no time for friends. And quite honestly, I had no money for friends, right? I was pouring every single dollar into clockwork, 
you know, no social plans, no social life, no anything, because I was so committed to building clockwork and getting it off the ground, you know, and I, I went to the extreme, right? Not a lot of people are willing or are capable of, you know, going to that extreme, but I literally, no one heard from me. No one heard from me. And so I even made it even more lonely and being a solo founder was extremely difficult. But when you don't have any investors checking in or, you know, available to brainstorm, you're, you're literally on an island. You're on an island even more so than anything else. And when you look at when you look at actually having someone to answer to, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to hold for someone to hold you accountable. If you say you are going to release a certain thing, if you say you are going to launch a certain product or launch launch into a new market or land a customer or whatever, if you have someone actually checking on that, it cuts out all the bullshit, right? I know when I first started Clockwork, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to land this huge, this huge customer. And I was bootstrapped, right? And I'd be so excited. I'd tell a few of my, you know, the family and friends that invested and, and that, that knew about what I was doing with Clockwork and they'd get all excited and then nothing would happen. You know, the deal fell through with this one huge deal that I was working on. I was so early. I was so, so, you know, it was amateur hour, really. And the deal fell through. But at the end of the day, I woke up the next day and I was like, all right, keep going. Because there's no one I had to really be like, okay, this is why it fell through. This is how it's never going to happen again. This is why they were a bad fit or, or we were a bad fit or any, I didn't have to explain it to anyone, right? It was, it was, all right, let me just wake up and, and, and keep on the grind, keep pushing. And, you know, the, that's a good thing. Accountability is extremely healthy and necessary for everyone, especially entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs, because if you don't have that, you get into very bad habits. Um, if you're so used to just answering to yourself, when and if you ever do get investment or if you go out and, and seek it, you won't have the habits of knowing what to give investors and how to update investors and how to ask for help. That's extremely difficult. That's really difficult for a lot of people to do. And so, you know, when you're bootstrapped, you're making every decision out of a position of desperation rather than power. I'd say for me, it was every decision, every decision. I was like so desperate to stretch every dollar that I, I, I took certain shortcuts or I took certain, you know, made certain made certain plans that I shouldn't have just because it was the cheaper way. It was the more efficient way and I could just do it. I would take the help that I could get, not the help that I necessarily needed. And that was difficult. That was difficult. And maybe maybe, you know, I definitely looking back at it, I should have been a lot better about that. I should have been a lot better about understanding if I was making a decision out of desperation or a decision from a position of power. And as an entrepreneur, you always have to do make make the right decisions for the business to grow it and make those decisions in a position in a position of power. You have to make do with what you can get rather than what you want exactly. And that was that's super key with being a bootstrap company versus actually having a ton of resources that you can that you can make. Um, whether it's consultants, new hires, marketing campaigns, anything that you think is necessary to move the business forward. You have to take what you can get, really. Then when it comes to actually moving the business forward, it's so difficult to earn credibility into the market when you're not VC-backed. If you're not on all these websites and Forbes and Inc. and TechCrunch and all this kinds of stuff, and there's no real publications or credibility in the market about, hey, this is this this VC that has made many good investments has trusted this company, this founder with all this money. That's a huge stamp of approval. That's a huge stamp of credibility. If you're bootstrapped, it takes you a lot longer to prove that you're still going to be here next month or you're still going to be here next year. 
um, prospects will kind of wait around. They're like, all right, well, let's see if you're still going to be here. I can't tell you how many times I had very early conversations with new prospects and they're like, well, you know, we've talked to a couple companies in this space and they disappeared. And so we kind of want to make sure that you're not going to disappear. So prospects kind of look at it and they're like, okay, well, if investors won't give you money, then why should I? Why should I pay you if someone won't invest in your company? And, you know, it's not true, right? There's There are a lot of good companies that don't have investment money, that don't have investors, that are very good teams, very good products. And, you know, it definitely is the point of you need that stamp of credibility, especially if you're playing in a crowded space and you're playing in a space that's very hot, very active. You need to have what that product and offering needs to be. People need to know that you know what you're doing, right? If you don't have the money, they're going to think, well, you, the product can't be that good, right? If you don't have all these resources, all this money, all these all these eyes on your product, it can't be that good. So that was that was really a big big con to being bootstrapped is is just getting the stamp in the market to go after the prospects and the customers that you want to go after. And on top of that, it's easy to feel defeated when you see competitors in your space raising a ton of money, ton of VC money, ton of other people, other investors and you know your product is better, you know your offering is better because obviously, you know Founders, every, everyone always thinks their product is better. But when you see other products and you know other products and you know yours yours actually fills the need more than others, it's it's easy to get defeated when you see all your other competitors um, raising a ton of money with an inferior product or an inferior service. It's, it's, it's easy to get in your own mind, in your own head about it. And, you know, the difficult thing is VCs want to see traction before they invest and in your mind, you're like, well, I need that money to get that traction. And that cycle just repeats itself when you're trying to get that funding and you're trying to organize your company to get the funding and being bootstrapped is difficult to get out of your own head about, well, I need the money to make the money. And VCs are like, well, we need to see you make money for us to give you money. So it's one of those situations, especially in the Midwest, right? The Midwest very, very, very few risky, quote unquote, investments, especially for pre-seed early stage companies will be made without some sort of traction or an extremely proven experienced team. And so if you're if you're a solo founder or, or a young founder and you're coming out, it's going to be very difficult to get credibility with the VCs, let alone with your customers and with your prospects. And so, you know, all of that to say, being bootstrapped, you know, it was very difficult. It's very difficult, but it teaches you some phenomenal lessons of how to run your company the smart way, the efficient way, and how to really trust yourself, right? There's no better way to really trust yourself than to be bootstrapped, where every bet you make is a big bet. And so you get really, really good at trusting yourself, trusting your gut instinct, and trusting the one or two people that are choosing to be by your side, right? There's no greater test of loyalty than when you have nothing and you look around and there's still people there. And that really, really happens when you're bootstrapped. When you have VC money, anyone wants to be around it. In all honesty, everyone wants to be around. Everyone wants to be a part of a VC-backed company. It's such a stamp these days, especially. So it's a lot easier to have the wrong people around you when you have VC money. You just have to be a lot more careful about it. Not to say that you won't be able to find good people, but it's a lot more difficult to find the people that would be there if you had nothing. 
And it's easy, obviously, when you have nothing to see who's standing there. And that's that's easy when you're bootstrapped. But when you do close that VC money, like when I closed that VC money, I felt the weight of the world just lifted off my shoulders. I was like, holy cow, I can breathe. We finally have, you know, this this runway. I can finally do the stuff that I wanted to do. But that lasted really, really short. You know, that did not last long at all, because now you realize you're in the game. You're officially in the game. People know you. People know about you. People who haven't heard about you are hearing about you. You are officially in the game when you close institutional money. And, and you know, obviously I'm talking about like, you know, no offense to all the other smaller VCs, but I'm talking about real, real legit institutional money that have a very good book of portfolio companies that they've invested in already, have a very good background for the team itself, the managing partners, everyone there. So you need a top tier VC, right? And that's really that's really where you get the full benefits of being VC backed. It's not just cash, right? It's not just money. But being bootstrapped, not many people know about you. Not many people know about you. You don't have that many employees. You're just kind of figuring it out. The second you raise money, VC money, real VC money from a real VC, the game changed, right? You get a lot more eyes on you, a lot more eyes on your team, a lot more eyes on your product. And you don't have those excuses as to why you're not growing revenue, hiring people, expanding your market footprint, because it's like, okay, here's the money. We you we believe in enough of what you have so far. Go and take the capital. And, you know, everyone has their use of funds strategy. So go and do it. You know, go go and utilize your use of funds. And now you have to perform. You have to perform. So, you know, when you talk about the pros of VC money and being VC backed, you finally have money in the bank to pay yourself. You know, I I grew clockwork for four years by myself without a paycheck, did not pay myself for four years. It's a long time. And I, you know, I had my own condo in, in downtown Chicago and it was, it was difficult to say the least, but now you have VC money, you can pay yourself. You have that stamp of credibility in the market. Every decision that you make from here on out is from a position of power, or it should be from a position of power, right? You have that stamp, you have that credibility. People want to be involved in the, what 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 VC-backed companies are doing. And you can make decisions on employees, prospects, product, the whole nine from a position of power because you have resources to execute on what you should be executing on and how you should be executing on it. You know, you don't have to give away a, a ton of equity to people who are just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll see if this works, but I don't really care about equity. I don't really care about, you know, this idea. I'll just, I'll be there long enough to see if it sticks. If it doesn't stick, I'm going to bail. I mean, they keep their jobs and all that kind of stuff. But when you're VC backed, you can hire people, right? You can pay them market salaries and you can pay them market wages to come in and do what they need to do to help you and, and, and grow the company together. You will have a team who have been there and they've done that, right? Generalists build specialists scale. It's a a saying, you know, I've heard many times in the SaaS industry, especially you need generalists at the beginning. But if you really want to hit that next level, like series A, series B, series C uh, and upward, you need specialists and specialists cost money. And having VC money definitely makes that a lot easier to find those specialists, bring them on, pay them what they need, but also give them the tools that they need to perform. 
right? It's it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of hires that come in and they're like, okay, what's our budget on marketing automation, on sales automation, on product automation, on QA automation, on it, stuff like that. But if you if you don't have that budget, if you don't have an understanding of the what it takes for even the expensive hires to be even more productive, you may be setting people up for failure. But with VC money, it's a lot more simple to make those decisions where, okay, is it going to help you? How's it going to help you? What does it actually mean to your role, to the efficiency of the company, to everything that we're doing? You can make those decisions a lot more wisely and a lot more proactively rather than firefighting all the time, which is which is what it felt like running a bootstrapped company is just constant firefighting. And another pro of VC money is it helps you raise more VC money. Once people know that, hey, there's there's more money, that's great. They get that stamp of credibility with the VCs as well. We've talked about the stamp of credibility you need with prospects and in the market and customers, but you get a stamp of credibility in the market because another institution gave you money, right? There's always FOMO. I can't tell you how many meetings I had with VCs that they were no's. They were they were no's. I had I had over a hundred meetings to try and close my seed round, and they were all no's. And I never really felt good about those meetings just from a fit. I didn't think that they could actually provide the value that that I needed. When I found underscore the VC that that actually we partnered with. It was, it was a yes, and it was a huge stamp of credibility, huge stamp of approval, but all those other VCs came out of the woodwork right after we closed the round. Like, wait, we want to talk to you. Hey, can we take a meeting? Hey, we want to talk to you. We want to invest in your company. It's like, we've had meetings. You've told me no. You, you wouldn't even take a meeting with me. Some VCs literally would not take meetings with me, and after we closed the round, all of a sudden, hey, we really love what you're doing, and we think you have a unique positioning, and da 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 da. It's it, it it's just it's wild. That was one of the that was one of the craziest things for me to see after closing the round. How many VCs came out of the woodwork to give me more money? Some of them were even upset that I didn't let them know that we were closing the round after we took money from the VC from Underscore. They were they were upset that I didn't allow them more space in the round to, to invest. And I'm like, well, where were you six months ago when I was talking to you or three months ago? It makes institutional money slightly easier, right? You still have to perform. You still have to put up your numbers. You still have to build the team. You still have to do all the stuff you need to do. But when you have that stamp, it, it makes life a lot easier because then they can go and just talk to the VC themselves and say, hey, you know, what do you like about them? What are they doing that's different? What's, what are the opportunities? What are the risks? What are we looking at? And then it becomes more of like an actual collaborative conversation to raise that money. Not all VC money is good money and not all VC money is equally created, right? There's some VCs that are phenomenal to work with. I am very, very fortunate that I got, a, I, I got to be with a VC that was great. And, you know, I've never had to take any any shortcuts or, 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 or take any stupid, stupid, horrible deals with with shark type VCs because I was able to continue to bootstrap clockwork and be very efficient, be very capital efficient. And I wasn't burning through a ton of money, you know, a ton of other people's money and I needed to fill that gap. So VC money makes life a lot easier, but you need to make sure that you're picking the right VC for you for your market, for your product, for your employees. Not all VCs are created equally. Then you look at the real cons of the VCs, you have people to answer to. And you can't just be like, oh, well, we completely missed this quarter. Oh, well, it's you missed this quarter, why'd you miss it? 
How do we know you're not going to miss that quarter again? Then you have to document that to make sure that that story is there and it makes sense and it's a true story, right? You can't just make things up for your next round because that will show up on your deck and that will show up on your financial slide and that will show up on your forecast slide, actuals versus forecast. Why'd you guys miss Q1? Why'd you guys miss Q2? How come Q3 was huge and Q4 wasn't? You know, all those things, you have people always looking at what you're doing, which is a con, but it's a good thing for me, for my personality, for what I'm doing with Clockwork. That's a good thing. I love having someone else holding me accountable to all my stuff, right? I'm, I'm very good at holding myself accountable. I don't think I, I'd be able to do this job. I don't think you can be an entrepreneur without having the skill of holding yourself accountable. But it also helps when people who have been there and they've done that hold you accountable as well. And you have to do your homework on the VC that you work with. It, it's literally like a marriage. It, it's 100% like a marriage. If they're not good to work with, or if you post a bad quarter, or you post a bad month, and they're down your throat and telling you to make people changes with the company, telling you you need to go into this market or that market or change your product or, or, or any kinds of, I've heard some nightmare, nightmare stories about VCs that replaced the CEO within the first several months because they got a couple board seats and they had control of the company. And they're like, you know what, we want our person to come in and run this company. And they, they'll replace the CEO, they'll replace the founder without even thinking twice about it. So it's very crucial to have a good understanding of who you're going to be working with at the VC. Do your homework on the VC, talk to portfolio companies, talk to people that they've said no to and that have said no to them. You know, talk to really get the full the full picture. Just like when you hire an employee, you want to get references, do the exact same thing on VCs because they are not all created equally at all. And, you know, the terms that you agree on with VCs, they're all over the place, right? The liquidity preferences, board seats, all, all the other stuff in between. Basically, you, you could potentially not be able to do anything in your company without their approval. So be very careful. Don't just worry about valuation. Valuation is great. Valuation, you have to make sure that you're fighting for a fair market value. When you raise your round, don't go too high because, you know, that sets a lot of expectations and don't go too low. Obviously, you don't want to give away too much of your company unnecessarily. But the terms that the VC is set on, like liquidation preferences and, and, and multiples and board seats and that kind of stuff, it could change your business as a whole. You know, it's not just about the valuation of your fundraise. It's about all the terms that you're setting for that VC, because I've seen several deals that get closed, but then they can't raise another dollar because the future VCs and the prospect VCs look at the deals that were set originally and they're like, I'm not coming in on that. There's no way I'm going to touch that unless we completely redo stuff and there's no way once a VC gets very variable terms they're not going to they're not going to change that they're going to go back on that so be very very careful on the terms that you sign with VCs cuz you're you know you're selling a chunk of your company right VCs come in they want 10% 15 20 25% of your company you're selling a good chunk of your company so make sure that you're looking at everything from A to Z and and really analyzing it all so, you know, in, in total, really, for me and my experience with Clockwork, with the tech company, with the tech industry, the SaaS, SaaS industry, especially in a crowded space like the office of the CFO is what a lot of people like to call it, you know, with financial modeling and analytics and FP&A, being bootstrapped is super overhyped. 
and I know that's probably not going to be a popular opinion, but you know, a lot, there's a lot, of, there's a, there's a great badge of honor of being bootstrapped. I did it for four years. I trust me, I did it. I, I know for me, it was super overhyped. I thought, you know, I, I, I felt very proud to always say, oh, I'm bootstrapped and people are like, oh, that's amazing. And then I'm going the next day, waking up and be like, I can't afford to bring this person on. I can't afford to hire this person. So in the tech industry, and especially what I was doing in a competitive market, it was it was overhyped, it was overvalued, but it taught me phenomenal lessons. The pros of being VC backed outweigh, and by a good VC, far outweigh the pros of being bootstrapped, in my opinion. I don't think that I would go and trade that for the world. You know, this is my journey, this is what I've learned so far, and if, if you feel I've got it wrong, please let me know. Please let me know your thoughts, how you feel about it, how you feel about being bootstrapped versus being VC-backed. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And, you know, this wraps up episode two of The Real Slim Fady Show, and I'm Fady Hawatma, and thanks for tuning in.